Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. Don Harris, your host. I'd love to hear from you. Would you mind writing me an email? I'll listen to anything you have to say. I'd just like to know who's listening and where you are, how you're listening, that kind of thing. It's important to the ministry to, so we know that we're being uh, faithful stewards of, of God's blessing. So, uh, if you'd like to write to me, write to me at don at thinkredink.com. Just simply don at thinkredink.com. That's my personal email, by the way. So it'll get read, and um, I will uh, be glad to uh, answer any questions you have or comments you have on the program. However I can help, let me know. Um, we've been talking in the 55th uh, chapter of our book uh, about Jesus rebuking his disciples when they said uh, about the Samaritans, we want to call fire down on these people. And Jesus says, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of, which is a devastating thing to hear from our God. But unfortunately, it is very, very true in a lot of cases. You need to understand that you've got, uh, uh, you have James and John here that is uh, m making this statement. Do you realize who these men were? James and John, these are the disciples of Christ. These are the people who have been learning from him. So from so many weeks, so many months, they've been learning and, and following him around. And they still didn't know what spirit they're of. Is that really hard for you to believe? I'll tell you what's really hard for me to believe is that you do. That's, that's hard for me to believe because when, let's face facts, these people had a lot more advantage than we do. Um, not if we do it right, of course. <laughs> but they, they actually lived with the Lord and they didn't, they didn't know what manner of spirit thereof. And are you thinking that a person living in the 21st century, so far removed from this particular time, so far removed from our God, from our Lord Jesus, that, uh, that we do understand what spirit we're of? It's a very sobering thought, but it's certainly worthy of your consideration. Because if this is a problem, it needs to be repaired right away. Now, um, he says... That you don't know uh, what manner of spirit you're of. And he says, you need to know that the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So they went into another village. Now when he says, for the Son of Man, in King James vernacular, uh, they will use the word for many times. When the word because would be a little clearer to 21st century man. Um, he said, now listen to the sentence. When we just replace the word for with the word because, just listen to the sentence, and I think that it'll make more sense to you. For, you will understand what it's saying. <laughs> and that is, he says, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of because... That's not my way. That's not my ministry. That's not what I came here to do. You hear that? You don't know what man... It is obvious to me 
that you don't know what spirit you're of because I am of that spirit and that is not my intention. Wow. Well, it carries a little more punch, doesn't it? Many times we ask the Lord, and it's not just to call down fire on people, but sometimes we ask the Lord for, for, for what we consider to be good things. Something to eat, something to wear, a place to live, a, a, a spouse to marry, a, a, you know, a bank account, win the lottery, heal a baby. You know, it doesn't matter whatever it is. We have to know the will of God for us and for everyone involved in that. You ever think about how much your life affects someone else? You ever wonder about people uh, that, that ostensibly are watching you? Uh, that, that see these things and what you do and what you say, how you live and, and, the, and the, the circumstances in your life affect them? Sometimes huge, uh, hugely. I mean, it's, it's, it's big changes in their life. You ever had a hero cut down in your eyes? You ever found out that the person that you thought was your friend was not your friend at all? You ever found out that the person that you condemned for being selfish or dishonest or whatever, you find out that uh, you, know, you, you thought he was skipping church, that he didn't care about the things of God, not knowing that the people down in the homeless shelter needed to eat on Sunday morning, so he was down there making breakfast for them? And his righteousness turns out to be more than yours ever was. And you've been condemning him. These kind of things ever happen in your life? If they don't happen, a friend, you're not paying attention. Because you see, there's a lot of things which we just do not understand that our Lord God does understand. This is why we need to be, whatever state we're in, therewith to be content. This is why we need to give thanks in all things. You don't give thanks for calamity. That's, that's silly. I've heard that. You know, oh, thank God. Thank you, Lord, for breaking my arm. Thank you for killing my puppy. <laughs> I don't know. Just stick anything you want in there. This, that's not what Paul's saying. He's saying give thanks in all things. Your father cares about you. Jesus says it's his desire to give us the kingdom. And, you know, if you ask for something that, uh, well, first of all, we need to quit asking for so much. You know, get off your tail and go, go work and make things happen. <laughs> Quit expecting. He's not your page boy. Oh, that must, be, uh, that must be room service. Come in. <laughs> no, get up and go do something. That's just an aside. Um, but in, in a lot of cases, uh, we ask for things, and we're just absolutely sure that they're good. And we don't understand why the Lord doesn't give them to us. In that, in, can you give thanks in all things? Boy, I can. Have you ever been thankful that he didn't give you what you asked for five years ago? That he didn't give you the girl that you wanted to marry so badly and found out later that probably would have been a real big mistake? Yeah, okay, you might have been cursing God five years ago. You might have been mad at him. You might have sat and wondered, why can I, you know, why won't you answer my prayer? But, you know, five years down the road, you think, I'm sure glad he didn't. Uh, listen, these kind of things can happen. Can we just be a little bit more mature 
than to realize that our life does not consist of the, the five minutes in the past and the five minutes in the future? Can we just be so mature as to believe that our life is not this, this little circle around us that our eyes can see or the circle that our ears can hear? Uh, this, that's not the world. It might be your world, but it's not the world. And his, his concern is for the whole world. The idea that Jesus, um, that, that our Lord God's will is that, that mankind, that the world might be saved, uh, there's, uh, you know, there, there's good in that and there's hope in that, in that scripture, but there's also a caution in there. You're not the only one in the world. It's not all about you. It's not, the world doesn't revolve around you. As my father used to say, who do you think you are? Well, that's a good question. But we all have these problems. And the Lord knows we have, the, have these problems. And although he may not explain every little detail to you, um, you know, when things don't happen the way you think that they should or the way you prayed that they would, you should be thankful and give thanks in all things. This is what Paul was telling us. In, in whatever state you find yourself in, therewith to be content. I, I think that it would, it would serve many of us to be a lot happier. Now, I also wanted to give you some background on this story because there's some things in there that are kind of confusing when you, when you close the story down to a couple of paragraphs as this book has done. This, book, this uh, little particular paragraph that we're reading uh, is really you know, several pages of Scripture because when you, when you find this story in the, in the Synoptic Gospels, when you, when you find in it um, uh, that the, this story and part of, pieces of this story were brought from different places and different Gospels and you put them all together to tell one story, which, by the way, I've done in the uh, calendar DVD. Um, I don't know if you're uh, aware that uh, Think Red Ink Ministries produces a video called The Creator's Calendar. But if you like these sort of things and these in-depth kind of things, I would, I'd encourage you to write to info at thinkredink.com and ask for, send your address. No, I don't know where you live, um, no matter how bad you want it. But if you'll write to me at info at thinkredink.com, give me your address and tell me you're interested in the calendar DVD, I'll send you a copy. Absolutely. Uh, and we talk about this particular story because it has, it has uh, um, tentacles that reach out into the calendar of Jehovah because Jesus followed the calendar of his father. He did not follow the calendar of the Samaritans. He did not follow the calendar of the, of the so-called Orthodox Jews in Jerusalem at that time. He followed the calendar that his father laid out in Scripture. You didn't know that the father laid out a calendar in Scripture? Yes, he did. He laid out a calendar for us to live by. We've rejected it. We've changed it. You know, we've renamed it. We took all of the months that he gave us and we gave them the names of pagan gods and uh, we pretty much uh, adulterated the entire calendar. And uh, we found out that our calendars didn't work. And uh, instead of going back to his, which works perfectly, by the way, instead of going back to his, we said, oh, we, need, we just need a, a new... Uh, a new theorem. We need a new. Um, we need Pythagoras, and he got involved in calendar issues. By the way, 
I mean, a, a hugely intelligent mathematician to try to keep the calendar accurate. Because we don't want to do it God's way. We want to do it our way. We're pitiful. We're just pitiful. Anyway, Jesus was on that calendar, and uh, he was in Samaria. It happened to be that uh, he was there on the, on the Day of Atonement. And uh, you remember when he was there, and uh, his disciples went into town to get food. They came back, and he wasn't interested in eating. You remember that? And uh, they said, has anybody given him anything to eat? How is, how is it that he doesn't want to eat? Well, it was because for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he knew that this was the Day of Atonement. The Samaritans didn't know that. And the Jews didn't know that. But he did. So he fasted on the Day of Atonement. <laughs> Makes sense to me. But nobody else knew. And Jesus says, you know, there's more important things than eating, guys. Look at look look what I'm in the middle of here. I'm talking to this woman here at the well, and uh, and none of the disciples ask him, you know, what are y'all talking about? But he says, you know, we we got things to do. The woman at the well, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. No, I don't think she was a slut. No, I don't think she was a whore. No, I I just think she's uh, pretty much like a whole lot of even I mean American women today. They're really having a hard time finding a real man to marry and stay married to because men are, you know, they're evaporating. They're, they're just going into smoke. They're just gone. You know, I, I always feel sorry for women who are looking for a husband today. Of course, I feel sorry for men looking for a wife today. Not much to choose from out there, and it's a fact. Women need to be more picky about the man they marry. And women and men need to be more picky about the woman they marry. Do you know how realize how much that would change things? But everybody's willing to make concessions. <laughs> eh, you're not making concessions. You're just you're just canceling out rules so you can get whatever it is you're after. <laughs> I never heard a preacher talk like that. <laughs> well, you have now. Um, but you know this this woman at the well. She was a wonderful gal. She's one of my favorite people in the scriptures. Hey, let's face facts. Jesus, he's standing around, you know, at the gate of Jerusalem. A bunch of Pharisees walk up. They realizing that, you know, this guy might be the Christ. <laughs> he might be the one sent from God. He might have answers that we've been looking for. Well, pray tell, guys. What has been on your mind all these hundreds of years? How can I help you? So you're thinking, okay, we're going to get some... We're going to get some deep theological questions here, right? They're going to get, you know, they're talking to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, you know, the, the men of the Sanhedrin, religious leaders of that day. So we're going to hear some really, I mean, just mind-twisting situations that only Messiah could work out. No, <laughs> no. They're just wondering, hey, how is it that we can have more than one woman? You know, tell us about this divorce thing. Do you think we can just dump our wives because we want to? Or do we have to have some reason? So here you got all these scribes and Pharisees or whatever that are just, you know, trying to jump into bed with some Jane or Sue somewhere and do it legally. They want to figure out how can we do this and not break the law of God. Good luck with that. Um, 
And, you know, their concern is strictly flesh, strictly sinful, strictly selfish. And here you have a woman who, realizing that Jesus Christ was indeed the Messiah, indeed the one that would come. Matter of fact, she told him, you know, because, uh, you know, we know that when Messiah comes, he's going to answer all these questions. And he says, you know what, sis? I've got good news for you. I am he. That is me. I am the Messiah. Buddy, when she got a hold of that, what what do you think her question was? How can I justify the five husbands that I've had? How can I justify the guy I'm living with that is not my husband? Well, you think she was concerned about herself? You think, no. You know what we find? We find a woman with a spiritual question on her mind. A question that those silly Pharisees should have had on their mind. But they didn't. They just want to know, how can we sin and get by? (laughs) And she's wanting to know, how can I please my Lord? It's been for years. My people and your people, Samaritans, Jews, have come to loggerheads about this particular problem for centuries. Can you answer this for me? What's your question? Should we worship in this mountain? Or should we worship at Jerusalem? What does she mean? Feast of Tabernacles. It was on its way. And according to the Samaritan calendar, it was going to occur in two days. And they asked him to stay with them. He stayed the two days, but when their feast began, he got up and left. Now do you understand why they were mad at him because he was going to Jerusalem? When you first read that, you think, what? Why are you mad at Jesus? Because he's going to Jerusalem. <laughs> How is that a problem for you? Why are you mad at him? Because he's going. Uh, uh, the King James says his face was set. Now, I don't think that uses the word set in that particular scripture. But he says his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. When, they, when a person has their face set, it means that they're determined to do it. And it really ticked him off. What, he's not good enough to have tabernacles here with us? He doesn't want to worship in Mount Gerizim? Now she made it clear to him, our fathers told us and have told us for years that if we're going to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, if we're going to keep any of God's feast, they need to be kept here in Mount Gerizim. This is a commandment with us. But your people say something totally different. And I just want to know, what's the right way to do this? That's a good question. And it's a question that seemingly they weren't able to answer through the scriptures very well. Uh, The Jews, you know, their attitude is, well, it's just like we say it is. (laughs) And uh, and the uh, priest of Samaria were saying, well, it's just like we say it is. So they couldn't come to an agreement. But now Messiah is with them. And if there's anything that's common among the Middle Eastern religious folks, it is that. When Messiah gets here, he's going to explain it all. You know, Christians have a little taste of that, too. Uh, you know, we have the attitude in very, very many situations. I know, we don't understand now, but one day he's going to explain it all, right? Well, that might sound nice and pious. That might sound, uh, you know, holy and sanctified or churchy or whatever you want to call it. 
But here's the fact. Just like he told that woman, what are you waiting for, sis? <laughs> well, we're waiting for Messiah to come. I got news for you. He's here. It's me. And you know what? The Christians who sit around and wonder, you know, is this right? Is that right? How should we be baptized? Frontwards or backwards? <laughs> Can we have grape juice and, and saltines? Or does it have to be actual fermented wine and unleavened bread or any of the rest of this, this silly religious, ritualistic stuff. Well, it is. Um, in, instead of, uh, of that, Jesus has come to eliminate these kind of things and develop a relationship between us and God. She got that. What was her concern? That she was doing it right or that she was pleasing her God? I am convinced that her concern was pleasing her Lord. And so she took the opportunity to make these things, to, to, to ask these things to Messiah to get an answer. What was the Pharisees' concern? Themselves. How they can pleasure themselves. <laughs> wow. What a horrible testimony to men. <laughs> I mean to tell you, that's awful. But hey, anybody want to agree or disagree that it's not typical? <laughs> I don't think so. Not if you've been alive for more than 20 years. You know that that's typical. Now Jesus was in this situation uh, knowing that he was going to Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. However, as the story continues, and if you get that calendar DVD, you're going to see this story continues. Uh, Jesus is asked by his disciples to go to the Feast of Tabernacles and he says, nope, time's not right. Now, it's okay for you, but it's not okay for me. There's a, there's a, man, there's preaching in that too. There's preaching in all this stuff. I just need to read and try to comment as little as possible. But, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is Jesus was on a different clock. He was on a different schedule. He was on a different uh, punch list. He was on a different list of priorities. This, this man was... was trying his best to live out his ministry in a sinful world. A world that didn't recognize him. And uh, it was difficult at times. But every once in a while, he ran across a guy like this. That knew who he was and knew he could answer questions. You want to know what the answer to the question was? <laughs> of course you do. Well, if you got a if you got a drop of the Spirit of God in you, you want to know what the answer to the question was. He explained to her that, you know, the days of ritual are gone. The days of, uh, of obeying letters written on a page, they're gone. The day is now that we're going to obey the Spirit of God. You see, if you're going to worship God, so what was, what was her concern? Was it getting what she wants? No. Was it uh, to obey rules? No. Her concern was to worship God because Jesus, on that subject, on that very idea and thought, was saying to her, if your intention is to worship God, here's the way you do it. You worship Him in spirit and in truth. Friend, you can't worship God with a bad theology. You can't do it. You can't worship God thinking that He's a trinity because your Sunday school teacher told you He was. You can't worship God because he's omniscient or omnipresent or any of the rest of the monikers that we stick on him. 
You have to worship him in truth. I don't care what he is. I just want to know what he is. And that's the way I'm going to worship him. I'm not asking the Lord to reveal himself to me the way I always thought he should be. I'm asking him to reveal himself to me the way he actually is. I'll change. I'll change my mind. It's okay. I'm not married to this religion idea down here. I'm just doing the best I can. You show me that you're different than this, I'm with you. I'm your boy. I'll listen to what you have to say. No, that's not what we do. This is why we don't go before him and allow him to speak. We don't want him to speak. Just sit there and be quiet and appreciate what we're doing. Although it's pagan, although it's selfish, although it's just pure ritual, although it's, you know, worthless, we want you to accept what we do to you, for you. Because we love you. Love me. You don't even know me. <laughs> um, but we're, we insist that we, we love him. He says, when you go into this country, telling Joshua, and you're going into, the, into this pagan land, don't even ask how they worship their gods and say you're going to do that to me. I told you how I want to be worshipped. You did? When did you say that? You remember Passover? You remember keeping the, the, the first of the year, the sacred new year? Do you remember Day of Atonement? Do you remember the, 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 the time of ingathering, the Feast of Tabernacles? Do you remember Pentecost? All these things I told you? Yeah. Those are the holy days I want you to keep. Yeah, but these people keep Christmas and they keep Easter and they keep Halloween and they keep St. Valentine's Day and St. This and St. That Day. I told you how I want to be worshipped. How do you know how they worship their gods? I told you not to ask. <laughs> we, have a lot to, we have a lot to answer for. Okay, so it gets a little uncomfortable. Doesn't have to stay that way. We can decide to worship God in spirit and in truth. Bad theology is not truth. He's explaining to her that this is a spiritual thing. It's not Mount Gerizim or Jerusalem. It's not being baptized frontwards or backwards or in salt water or fresh. It's not all this ritual stuff. This is in spirit. People ask me all the time, you think you can be saved and not baptized? No, I don't. Well, wait a minute now. Baptize how? Do I, you know, the question isn't, do you think you're going to be saved and not baptized? The question is, do you think you can be baptized and not saved? That's the problem. But we work it out so that we can all be comfortable. <laughs> Look, the idea is not to be comfortable. I have not a bit of interest in the world in making you comfortable. My intention is to help you worship God in spirit and in truth. Truth is going to be kind of easy for you because it's just good theology. It's just doing what we're told to do. Spirit might be a little more difficult because many of us have to admit, hopefully before the Lord tells you this, we don't know what manner of spirit we're of. We're, we are of an inclusive spirit. We are of a lovely, loving spirit of God. Nothing less. Uh, we're going to take it up here next time. If you'd like to write to me, do so at Don at thinkredink.com. And until next time, Think Red Ink, my friend. Bye-bye.
join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.